Good morning. It's good to see you. Take your Bibles and open them to uh, Jonah chapter 1 this morning. We're going to... uh, Is Robin here? I was going to preach on the whole book of Jonah, but she already did it. Great job. Thank you. We're going to look... I'm going to be with you throughout, um, I guess, the month of September and uh, October until your new pastor comes. I'm so glad that they let him out of jail. (laughs) I'm kidding. If you're a guest, that is a joke. That's an old joke between, I've been here a couple of times and one of the first Sundays to kind of wake him up. I said, uh, I I think he's in jail. That's that's why they got to wait. It's a joke. This has nothing to do with anything. It's good to be back with you. Uh, If you've noticed... I'm not wearing the, I'm wearing two different shoes. And uh, have I got a whale of a story for you? We were down in Charleston uh, last weekend, and uh, we went out on a boat, and uh, went out on some, a friend's boat, and we were on the Isle of Palms, and if you go back in behind the intercoastal waterway, there's a lot of marshes, and we were going to take a shortcut. And so we went uh, back into this marsh, and the tide was going down, and uh, we got stuck on an oyster bed. And I was going to be the Messiah. And I jumped off the boat with my uh, sandals on, and I pushed the boat back, and the boat moved about four feet, but I didn't. I was stuck in the mud, and uh, my sandal came off on my right leg, and I tried to walk back to the boat, And the spiritual lesson that I learned is that sometimes Jesus says, walk on the water, and sometimes Jesus says, stay in the boat, because I tried to walk on oyster shells, and it's not pretty. And by the way, uh, that thing about sharks smelling blood from like a mile away, it's true. As soon as I got back on the boat, a little shark about this long came swimming by, trying to find out if he could have a little nibble on my foot. But I'm okay, I'm going to live. Uh, so uh, I didn't want all of you asking, why are you wearing two different shoes this morning and you got your foot up in a chair this morning? So that's why. We're going to look at a, another story. Jesus told his disciples to walk on the water and sometimes he tells us to stay in the boat. Well, this is a person that was purposefully thrown overboard. Let's look at Jonah chapter 1, uh, verses 1 to 10. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh. That great city and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee from Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and he went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. They said to one another, another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come 
upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What's your country? What people are you? He said to them, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is it that you have what is this that you've done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. This is the word of the Lord. I want you to do me a favor this morning. I know you're excited. I would be too. I want you to take this pastor search, thing, uh, this congregation meeting, and just put it on the back of your mind, just like you did if you forgot you left the iron on at home. You put it in the back of your mind because there's somebody more important here this morning that needs your attention, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen? And I want you to listen to him. At the end, then you can, you can vote and celebrate and talk and, and, all, and go to lunch. And, 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 but Jesus demands all of our life. And so this morning, I want us to look at, uh, look at Jonah. Now, I'm not going to take the time this morning to try to explain if Jonah is a true story. A lot of liberal criticism would say, now, come on, really, a man can't live inside of a fish for three days and three nights. But here's the thing Jesus said in Matthew 12 in the Scripture that Jonathan read, uh, verse 39, No sign will be given to this generation except for the prophet Jonah. Just as Jonah was in three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now I want you to realize something this morning. If Jonah is not a true story, then Jesus lied and we have no Savior. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Jonah is a true story. Jonah, uh, I want you to realize that, that, that Jesus believed that Jonah was a true person and that the events in this story actually happened. The second thing to start off with this morning is to know that the real hero, hero in the book of Jonah is not Jonah. And it's not the fish. The real story is about God who rescues the man that ran from him. And so I don't want us to... You can't turn the book of Jonah into a good little moral story. You can't turn the book of Jonah into, well, Jonah ran and Jonah turned back. Be like Jonah. That's not the moral of this story. The moral of this story is all about the God uh, who saved Jonah. Just like this couple saying, uh, then sings my soul uh, because God did that. Our souls can sing this morning because God rescued Jonah and God can rescue us. You might be here this morning and this might have been the first time you've been in this church or any church in a long time and you heard, hey, they're, we're getting a new pastor. That's the church I went to. I want you to know something. Maybe you have been running from God and this is the morning that God wants you to know there's something more important. There's, that, that there's God's grace. This whole book is about sin, running from God, and it's about grace. God intercepting us and to keep us from self-destructive uh, behaviors. It's about running and chasing. And so the flow of the story this morning, we're just going to look at verses 1 to 10, and we're going to look at, the, uh, Lord willing, the whole book, that I'm, the, the time that I'm with you. I want you to notice, first of all, verses 1 to 2 is God's call. God calls us. Look at verses 1 and 2. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. I want you to notice something. 
The word, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. That word, word, is actually instruction. The word of the Lord came to different prophets. Uh, God gave words to Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Obadiah, and God gave them a prophetic word. But here, God gives Jonah an instruction. Now, children, how many of you went back to school this week? Good. Parents, how many of you were glad the children went back to school this week? There we go. I still remember my sweet mom. I'd get on the bus and she'd start singing a Christmas song. It's the most wonderful time of the year. We go to school to learn something. We go to school because we need to learn things. Well, here, God gives Jonah an instruction because He wants Jonah to learn something. And we're here this morning because God wants us to learn something. He wants you to learn something about Him and about His grace by being here today. Jonah learned about his own heart. Jonah learned uh, that his own heart was turning against God. God calls Jonah. God calls him to go to Nineveh. Nineveh was the biggest, the baddest city in the center of the known world. It was sort of like Las Vegas. You know what happens in Las Vegas? What? It sounds like y'all been there. What happened in Nineveh stayed in Nineveh. Nineveh was the, Nineveh was the, the, the big city. Sort of like Joppa was Clover and then Nineveh was Charlotte. I think, I don't know if I've told you, I've been driving for Uber to try to make some income in between these times. And folks, I tell you what, I go to, some, I go to the airport, but I go to places in Charlotte and it is dark. But don't get prideful because it's just as dark in some places in Clover. And God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh. And what God wants you and me to know today is that God put you in Clover to be His people in Clover. It's like telling, it'd be like telling somebody to go to Berlin in World War II or telling somebody to go to Iran and, and go, just go and, and preach to ISIS. God put you here to live for Him in the midst of a, of a crooked world. We share this with Jonah. God calls us to be witnesses of His grace in the midst of a crooked and depraved world. God calls us to love people that are different from us. Do you realize that all this stuff that's happened in Charlottesville and in between blacks and whites and different races and different peoples, do you realize it, it, it would be so much better if everybody who professed to be a follower of Jesus Christ would just love their neighbor as themselves? That's what God calls us to do. That's what God's telling Jonah. Jonah, go to Nineveh. Be my, be my salt and light there. And he's saying to you this morning, Clover, ARP, stay in wherever you go. If you work in Charlotte, if you live here, if you live on a farm, go and be my people there. That's the word of the Lord that came to Jonah. And you see, if we say I'm a, if we say I'm a Christian, it's a call to be a missionary where we live, where we work, and where we play. I'm going to ask you a question every week that I'm with you, and, and this is the question. 
and I want you to write it down. Get a pen. Is your faith, does your faith do anything, any, let me start over. Does your faith do anybody else any good? Does your faith do anybody else any good? Do you keep it to yourself? That's not, it was, that's not what it was made for. You say, well, I, I thought the gospel and the cross was a personal thing between me and God where I put my trust in Him. I'm so glad there's a cross in the back of that window for all of the city to see. But that cross, the cross is not just about you going to heaven. It's about you going back into your world and seeing other people come to know Christ. That's one of, another reason why He saved us. God calls all of us to be salt and light. What's it going to do? You get a new pastor, you're going to come and sit in the pews just like you have most of your life. I want to challenge you to do something. Think about this. Does your faith do anybody else any good? Our faith in Jesus Christ, God gives it to us so that, uh, so that others can know and taste his goodness. That's point number one. That's the instruction that God gives to Jonah. Number two is that we run from God. Look at verse three. Verse three says, Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. A little geography lesson real quick. If this is Joppa, where Jonah lived, Nineveh was that way. You know which way Tarshish was? That way. Jonah did, God told him to go this way. He did a 180 degree turn and he went the exact opposite of what God told him to do. And you say, well, he, he was a knucklehead. He shouldn't have done that. I mean, Robin just told little kids, don't do that. But here's the thing. Here's what Jonah did. You have to see that every one of us in this room do exactly what Jonah did. Every one of us do exactly what, the, what Jonah did. Jonah fled from the presence of the Lord. And see, I'm just going to have to refer to Robin's little children's sermon. You know, there's no place you can flee from God. Psalm 139 says, Where can I go from your spirit? And the answer is, Nowhere. But see, all of us are prone to drift. You see, last Saturday, I shouldn't have been out trying to push a boat out of an oyster bed. I should have been down on the beach because I love going to the beach. I think I may have shared this with you. I love the, I'm 54, I love the boogie board. When I was a kid, that's, that's how I spent my days at the beach. We went to Surfside Beach every year for a week, and we'd go down there. My mom and dad would buy me one of those cool floats. It was red on one side, yellow on the other side, and had the string around it. And I'd just ride waves until my little heart's desire. But one of the things I didn't like is that my mom and dad would sit here, and they would say, you stay straight in front of us. Now, you know what happens at the beach you can't stay straight in front of somebody. Why? Well, the tide just kind of carries you out and you ride and you come back in and you go back out and you ride one in and you go back out and you ride one in. And soon enough, you're down to Polly's Island. And you see, 
That's the same way that we are in our spiritual life. God says, I want you, I, I love you. I gave my son for you. I want you to stay in my presence. But this happens, and this happens, and this happens, and this happens, and soon enough, we drifted away from God. I didn't feel like I drifted down Myrtle Beach. We don't feel like a lot of times that we've drifted from God, but in some ways, here's some ways that we drift away from God. And we never feel it. And l- listen, this is the second thing to write down. If you say, well, I don't feel it. I don't f- the, the, the worst symptom of drifting from God is to, is to ignore it. Some of the ways that we do that, number one, by not cultivating your relationship with God. It's like cultivating a healthy marriage. You, you have to do that. You should, I, I, I'm the same way. I know some of you are thinking, well, you're a pastor. You don't struggle with that. Oh, yeah, I do. Oh, yeah, I do. We struggle with our relationship with God. And we can't say this, well, I told my wife 20 years ago, I had a man tell me this one time. He said in my first years, I told her 20 years ago I loved her, and if anything changes, I'll let her know. (laughs) I prayed for him. You can't tell God. I was baptized when I was little. I committed my life to you 15 years ago. 35 years ago, 45 years ago, you can't tell God, I told, I told you that when I was 20, and if anything changes, I'll let you know. you gotta, you got to have a relationship. Your marriage won't work. Your parenting won't work. You have to cultivate a relationship with Christ by sporadic attendance in worship. By sporadic attendance in worship, you will drift you need to be with God's people. I hope that you've got some kind of system here where you can get in little smaller pockets of people and that men can say with men, I'm struggling, pray for me, guys, or women. I'm struggling, pray for me, friends. I hope that you have that. By neglecting community with God's people, by not being intimate with God in your prayer life, is, are your prayers always give me, bless me, Make my life easier. Make my life better. You know what that's like when your kids come to you all the time. Give give me this. Give me that. Give me this. Just go cut your ass. Cultivate a relationship with God. Cultivate a relationship with Him. Never praying for the hearts and the spiritual needs of those around you. I hear good things about your elders. I hear that they pray for people. Do you? If we don't do those things, we will drift from God. By totally ignoring God's call to love your neighbor. It will, it will, it will grow your faith if you start to talk to people about your faith. If you start to just to, to, to get into their lives. Jonah's more than a story about a man being swallowed by a fish. It's about his running and drifting from God. And folks, that's the essence of sin. It's not keeping the rules. Those are important. 
It's not not doing things. It's about cultivating a relationship with God. Do you want to grow closer to God? Don't raise your hand, but nod your head. You want to grow closer to God? The first step is that you have to admit, I have to admit that I can easily, that I have, that I don't want to, but that I've drifted from God. Jonah had a strategy. Verse 3, it says, Jonah went down to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare, went on board to go to Tarshish. He had a strategy. You just don't wake up one morning and say, hey, I think I'll go on a cruise. Been on a cruise lately? You got to plan those things. You got to plan and, and, and you got to buy tickets and you got to get childcare if you're going to leave your kids at home. And you got to make all these plans. Jonah had a plan. It took some planning. Listen, all of us have a particular strategy for, of running and hiding and, and sliding away from God. Adam and Eve did. They sinned and they started to blame each other. And it went all down through their nature to us. And if you don't see this, you don't know yourself really well. You have a strategy for dealing with your own drifting from God. Um, just a few weeks ago, uh, God was starting to put his finger on something in my heart. And thank God, I know what my strategy is. When I feel myself start drifting or there's something uh, in between me and somebody in my, in my life, and, and, and you know what I do? I start, I start getting busy. I'll go do something. I'll go, I'll go read a book. I'll go cut my mom's grass. I'll go do this. I'll go, and that's my strategy f- for deadening that uh, trying to, you, you know, that strategy, to get rid of that strategy so that that conviction goes away. Listen. Know what your strategy is. All of you have one. We have a strategy. And just like Jonah, God called Jonah. God called him to go to Nineveh. And just like Jonah, we drift from God. Go home today and think about this. Think about how you drift. Think about the times that you drift. Think about the ways that you drift. Think about the strategy that you have when you start to drift and know what it is. That's what you need to repent of. Lastly this morning, God pursues Jonah. Look at verse 4. What does God do? The Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. Listen, the gospel is that everybody, all people are completely fallen away from God and only by the sheer mercy of God can we come into His family. But listen, you can't run from God. And this is what you need to learn. You can't run from God. When God has His heart set on you, you can't hide. So stop. You can't hide from him. He sees what you do. But listen, the storm is a part of the gospel. The storm is the way that God saves sinners. The bad news is in the storm, but it's good news. Because what did it do? Well, first of all, the bad news, whenever, you, whenever I sin, 
there's a storm attached to it. You know that? You found that out yet? Whenever you sin, there's some type of storm connected to it. There's some type of storm. Uh, do you like watching storm clouds roll in? My wife grew up in Iowa. And uh, when, when I was a kid, we, my mom, if the first little thing of thunder, go get on the bed. I was miserable during thunderstorms. My mom didn't like lightning. She didn't like storms. She Go get on the bed. And we had to stay on the bed. If the storm was three hours, we had to sit on the bed for three hours. You can't go to the potty because lightning might strike you while you're sitting close, that close to water. That's the way I grew up. That's why I'm weird. <laughs> My wife grew up in Iowa. We go out to Iowa to see her parents and way off in the distance, it's just flat and you can see a storm coming. And you know it's coming and sometimes it might go this way or that way and sometimes it might go right here. But one, one thing that you know, you know that the storm is coming. There's a storm attached to your sin. And Jonah in his running, look what he was doing. Jonah wasn't out looking at the storm. Jonah wasn't out, okay guys, it's going to get bad. It's coming. I've looked it up on the weather channel on my phone. It's going to, it's come, that red spot's going to come right up. He was asleep. He was comfortable in his own sin. You want to know one of the worst things about being in the storm is when you don't know you're in the storm. But the good news is that God sent a storm. The purpose of the storm is to reclaim and to return Jonah. In the storm, you know what happens? We start to see who we really are. I know where I was in one of the worst storms in my life, just around between high school and York Tech, when God started to work, and even after I was in York Tech, and it, it, I was I wasn't I was I wasn't a pagan. I wasn't in God's presence, and I, and this storm came, and I started to realize this this I don't this is this storm is not fun. God didn't make me to be that way. I started to remember people and the gospel and what Jesus had done. The good news is that God sent a storm. You see, the devil wants you to be just like Jonah and to be comfortable where you are. He's perfectly fine if you come to church every once in a while and you do your own thing and you just go and kind of punch your time card for God. And that's, he's perfect. The devil is perfectly fine if you go into sleep mode. But you see... Do you see that the storm is sent by a God with a loving heart to wake you up, to wake me up? You remember the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe? C.S. Lewis wrote another book called The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. And, and this is a little different analogy than being woken up out of by a storm in a storm. Uh, there was in the, the Voyage of the Dawn Treader... Um, was a story about this kid named Eustace. And Eustace was a, he was the rotten cousin of the four children in the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. And he comes into a large fortune, and in his comfort, he falls asleep. When he wakes up, he's no longer a boy, but he's turned into a dragon. And all the outward manifest, manifestations of greed and selfishness had come and... Uh, 
C.S. Lewis pictures him as a dragon. And he had a gold bracelet that he put on when he was a boy. And so now the gold bracelet was so tight and so, so painful, he realized that he wasn't a human anymore. He realized that he was cut off from humanity and he starts to cry these big dragon tears. And Aslan, and, and, and Eustace begins to think, if I can just get to the water, if I can just get near some water and, and be soothed. So Aslan comes to him and he leads him down to the water. And Eustace starts to claw at his tongue and he tries to tear his own scales. Uh, and folks, when you try to handle your own sin, it, you can't do it. That's what Jesus is for. Eustace tries to tear away and he, and he starts to tear off his skin. But Aslan says, let me undress you. This is what Eustace says. The very first tear he made was so deep that I thought it had gone right into my heart. And when he began pulling skin off, it hurt worse than anything I've ever felt. And there I was as smooth and soft as a peeled little switch. Then he caught hold of me. I was still very tender. I had no skin on, and he threw me into the water. It stung for a moment. After that, it became perfectly delicious. And as soon as I started swimming and splashing, I found all the pain had gone away. And I saw why I had become a boy again. See the gospel in there? That in our sin, in our running from the presence of God, we become less human. We don't become little boys and little girls anymore. That, that, that we love the heart of our Father. We can become like a dragon. And you might be here this morning and you've got the right clothes on. You're sitting in a pew. You're thinking, I'm in a church. But listen, you might be a dragon. And the best thing that God can do is to come and to peel that away and to make you a child again. You see the gospel? It was a storm and it was painful and it hurt, but it was out of the heart of a loving God. Matthew 12. Matthew compares another Jonah. Matthew 12, Jesus said, one greater than Jonah is here. And he went through, Jesus went through the storm of the Father's wrath. And see, if anybody, if anybody knew what it was to have their skin torn off, it was Jesus. And he did that for us. God calls us. God calls us to go and to live for Him. God might be calling you this morning to come to Him for the very first time. You might be thinking, I just thought being a Christian was not breaking any rules and going to church. No, it's about knowing that you might be in a storm, but there's a God who had His skin torn out for you. Jesus knows the pain of having his skin torn off. God calls us. We drift from God. But God in his grace, God sends a storm. 
and he starts to bring Jonah back to himself. Let's bow together and pray. Father, wherever we are, I pray that you would um, come, make your call clear on us, make your uh, instruction clear, show us people that you've called us to be around, give us grace to know when we drift, and thank you for your grace that in the midst of the storm that we can look up and see your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.